Good morning, church. How's everybody doing on this holiday weekend? You'll get a little extra sleep, maybe get some work done around the house, in the yard. Holidays are always good, fun, so I hope you're looking forward to this weekend. So hope everybody's doing okay. Thanks for joining us in person. Always thankful for those who join us online. We started a new study last week called Gifted, and it's a study of the Holy Spirit. Our foundational verse is Acts 2.38. Peter replied to the entire crowd, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And I grew up, that's where we stopped. We just forgot about the rest of that. But he continues, And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned last week, so what do we do with that gift? Sometimes we don't know. We may not still know. You may have been in church your whole life thinking, Yeah, I don't know. I don't know this thing about the Holy Spirit, and it may make you nervous. I mentioned that last week. You may get nervous talking about the Holy Spirit or apprehensive based on baggage that you may have, based on maybe some poor understanding that you may have. Somebody told me, I'm going to need to unlearn some stuff. Sometimes we need to unlearn some stuff, but you, you may ha- have some apprehension, but we're just going to walk through this together, and today I'll throw you a ton of Scripture We'll move rapidly, but I just want you to start seeing some things about the Holy Spirit. If I wanted to get to know you, or you wanted to get to know me, what would be the best way to do that? For example, if you were looking at a job opening, you might fill out a job application or a resume, and that job application and or resume would tell your potential employer some things about you so they could get to know you. You may list where you live, where you went to school, your degree, your degrees. You may list your GPA. You may not list your GPA. You may be thinking it's really, yeah, you don't need to know that. You may list previous places of employment. Just some, I call those surface things so they can get to know you a little better. You know, if you need to see a doctor and you call and make an appointment, they get to know you because you have a number. You are a patient number. And then they ask you your birthday. And then you go to see the doctor and he wants to know some things about you. Tell me some family history, he or she, some family history. Tell me what's going on on the inside. They may order some blood work, some labs, some tests so that they get to know your insides better. But that's just your insides and getting to know you that way. You can be identified. People can know who you are by your dental records, by DNA, by fingerprints, by retinal scans. Interesting. They can swab your nose, they can swab your throat, and they can learn all kinds of stuff about you. But if someone really wants to get to know you, if someone really wants to have a relationship with you, then they're going to need to spend some time getting to know you. They're going to have to spend some time sitting down and having a conversation with you. And that's what we're doing with our series called Gifted. We're going to sit down and have some conversations and learn some things and get to know the Holy Spirit. Because, let me tell you where we're heading, before we get to know the power of the Spirit, I really think we need to know the person of the Spirit. And the best way to do that is to pay attention to the words that the Holy Spirit has already said about Himself. To say it another way, I think many of us don't know much about the Holy Spirit because we haven't spent much time looking at the Holy Spirit. Now, to be clear, this is not the Holy Spirit. I grew up people saying, this is the Holy Spirit. No, this is leather and pages. 
This is the Holy Word, but it's not the Holy Spirit. So you might be confused about that. Here's what Paul says in Ephesians 6 when he's talking about putting on the full armor of God. He says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the sword of the Spirit. This is not the Spirit. This is the sword of the Spirit. Jesus said in John 5, he told his disciples, you diligently study the Scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the Scriptures that testify about me. These Scriptures aren't Jesus. These Scriptures testify about Jesus, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And so, these are the Scriptures that testify about Jesus. These are the Scriptures that testify about God. These are the Scriptures that testify about the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do today. We, We need to start to get to know the Holy Spirit. And to do that, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures. So let me give you ten quick points. Number one, the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit's not less than God. The Holy Spirit's not an intern of God. The Holy Spirit's not a distant relative of God. Anytime we look at scripture, scripture always talks about God the Father and God the Son and God the Spirit. I can't explain that. I'm going to explain how I can't explain that in just a second. Um, But let me illustrate with some passages. We can go all the way back to creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So you've got God mentioned and the Spirit of God mentioned. The Spirit of God is, is God, but He's not God. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. I know, that doesn't make sense. But the Spirit was active in creation. Let me mention this scripture. John the Baptist said, as he's introducing us to Jesus, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one, Jesus, who's more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not fit to carry, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So obviously the Spirit and Jesus are not the same. They're the same because they're God. But there's... God who is Jesus and God who is the Spirit. We read a few verses later. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was open and Jesus saw the Spirit of God. So if the Spirit of God is the same thing, but Jesus saw the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God descended like a dove. No, the Spirit of God is not a dove, but it descended like a dove and it, and it was lighting on Jesus. And then there's a voice from heaven, which is God, who said, this is my Son whom I love, with Him I'm well pleased. So you see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit right there at one place. How do you explain that? I I, I don't know. After that, Jesus was led by the Spirit. We're going to come back to this. Not today. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit took Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Again, we'll have to come back to that one. Again, it's a mystery. It's a mystery that I can't explain. Not every mystery can be explained. For example, when two people get married, Paul says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And he says this is a profound mystery. So you've got two individuals that come together in marriage. So there's still two individuals, but they come together as one. In the same way we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. They are three. There's a plurality, but they are one. Paul says, look, marriage is a mystery. So if we can't explain marriage, if it's a mystery, I'm not even going to try to explain the Spirit being 
um, different. Even in the Great Commission, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and in the name of the Son and in the name of the Spirit. I mean, all three are mentioned. They are a plurality, but they are the same. So the Holy Spirit is God. It's always associated with God, in relation to God, not less than God, and equal to God. Let me stretch you a little bit. So I, I never noticed this before. popped up when I was studying. You know, you can read verses over and over and over, and then you read it one day, and you're like, I never saw that. When the Lord came to Abraham to tell Abraham that he and Sarah were going to have a baby, the Lord appeared to Abraham while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day, and Abraham looked up, and he saw three. The Lord came, and he saw three. I'm not going to tell you that's a father, son, and the spirit, but I'm going to tell you, I kind of think it was. When he saw them, no, wait, when he saw the Lord. No, it says when he saw them, he hurried from his tent to meet them. So that's kind of interesting. Paul writes in Ephesians, he said, there's one body, there's one spirit, one Lord, one God. But they're listed as different. It's a mystery. I'm not going to try to explain that. Um, God exists in plurality, but God is one. I love this quote by St. Basil the Great. What does the Spirit do? His works are ineffable in majesty and innumerable in quantity. How can we even ponder what extends beyond the ages? What did He do before creation began? How great are the graces He showered on creation? What power will He wield in the age to come? He existed, He pre-existed, He coexisted with the Father and the Son before the ages. Even if you can imagine anything beyond the ages, you'll discover that the Spirit is even further beyond. How do we explain this? I, 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 I don't know. I don't feel a need to fully explain. I don't. I don't feel a need to debate. I know there's people that love to debate anything. I anything. And I don't feel a need to debate this. I think sometimes we just need to respond to the truth and what is said. That's called... Faith. So let's keep moving. That was our longest point. Number two, the Holy Spirit, I believe, is a person. Is a person. I mentioned last week, not a ghost. Not the Holy Ghost. I grew up with the Holy Ghost. It's not a ghost. Not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person who has personal relationships. This will unfold in weeks to come. Personal relationships with God, with Jesus, with believers. John said, but you know the Spirit of truth because He lives in you. And He'll be with you because the Holy Spirit is a person that wants to have a relationship with us. Number three, the Holy Spirit has His own desires and His own will. Let me illustrate. While the church at Antioch was worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, doesn't say God said, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I've called them to do. So the Holy Spirit desired... His will was, you need to set some people apart. Paul says in Acts 22, 20 and verse 22, Paul said, and now compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. So the Holy Spirit desired for him to go there, had a will for him to go there. I know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Now again, we've got to know who the person of the Spirit is, before we can start to try to explain the power of the Spirit and how that power, the Spirit compels us and warns us. Let me give you another one. 
I think we looked at this one. Now to each one, of the man, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. So I said this last week. I'm going to say this a lot. God does not gift us with His Spirit for our personal agendas. God gifts us for the common good of the church. Your gifts are to benefit the church, not you. So when people make the Holy Spirit, we could do a whole study of the church at Corinth, about them and drawing attention to them, that's not the purpose of the Spirit. We don't choose our gifts. The Spirit does. We don't get to choose what God intends for us or for the church. The Spirit does. He wills and desires, and He gifts us as we see. Some of y'all are gifted to teach four-year-olds. I'm not. I'm okay with that. Some are gifted to lead singing, like Quentin. Some of you aren't. You'll say, I couldn't carry a tune with a handle. Okay? And so it's nice that you realize your gift. But the Holy Spirit has a will and desires. Number four, the Holy Spirit has emotions. Let me read. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll spend some more time on that. How do we grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, in this context, if you were to read the context of Ephesians 4, go back a few verses, go ahead a few verses. We grieve the Holy Spirit with unwholesome talk and bitterness and rage and anger when we're not kind and compassionate. The Holy Spirit's grieved when there is disunity, when we're unloving, when we're hateful and jealous and we gossip. That grieves the Spirit. We'll spend more time on that. Number five, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is... How do you know if you have the Holy Spirit? There's the fruit. How do you know if you're letting the Holy Spirit live in you? There's the fruit. If you can't see that fruit in you, then you're not letting the Holy Spirit live in you and control you. Number six, the Holy Spirit can be resisted. In Acts chapter 7... Stephen is preaching and he said, You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. I've always wanted to use that terminology. You stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. (laughs) But he got stoned, so I'm not going to do that. It's just like in any relationship. You can resist your spouse, you can resist your kids, you can resist your boss, and you can resist the Spirit of God and what God is trying to tell you. When you resist, you pull back and you withdraw and you distance yourself and you shut out. You don't pay any attention. That's illustrated in Zechariah 7. The people refused to pay attention to the Word of the Lord. They resisted. They stubbornly turned their backs and stopped up their ears. They resisted. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by His Spirit. So the Lord was very angry, saying, When I called, they didn't listen. So when they called, I wouldn't listen. What happens when we resist? Maybe God's not listening. Um, Number seven, the Holy Spirit can be insulted. Insulted. For example, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished 
who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified Him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace. So in Hebrews, a follower of Jesus is someone who's come into the blood of Jesus, experienced the covenant of Jesus, who's called to live differently because of the blood of Jesus. And when we don't live differently, that's an insult to the Spirit. People who have encountered Jesus, who've encountered God, who've encountered the Spirit, who've encountered the blood of Jesus, who turn their back, it's an insult to God. And if you want to read that context on how God feels about that, Judgment Day doesn't look good for you. Let's keep moving. Number eight, the Holy Spirit can be quenched. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. That word is quench. That word is extinguished. That word is smothered. And Paul is telling the church at Thessalonica that here's what the Christian life looks like. And the Spirit is a fire that can be flamed or it's a fire that can be extinguished. Maybe that's why he tells Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. We're talking about gifted. We're talking about the Spirit of God. Number nine, we're going to have to come back to number nine because... I'm going to throw this out and you're going to say, what? The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. So I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but anyone who speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. That's just kind of a sermon in and of itself. I grew up that when they threw that at us in middle school class at church, I figured everything I did was blasphemy and walked around in fear because I didn't think God was going to forgive me. So the Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. All I can say is we need to come back to that. Number 10, the Holy Spirit prays or intercedes for us. In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know, but surely you've prayed to God before and you're like, God, I, I, I don't even know what to say to you. I don't know how to put into words. This verse tells me that the Spirit knows. The Spirit knows how to intercede, how to communicate to God, which is good because sometimes I just feel like my prayers are like, Bleh. and the Spirit says, got it. I understand what you're thinking, what you're saying. So the Spirit intercedes and prays for us. So a lot of scriptures, all these scriptures just to illustrate the person of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who wants to have a relationship with us. We're going to have to explain that some more. And there are things that we can do to help that relationship. You understand that in your marriage with your kids. There's things that we can do that hinder that relationship. You understand that on a day-to-day basis. So if you want to know the Holy Spirit, you need to invest. You need to invest in God's Word. This is not the Holy Spirit. This testifies about the Holy Spirit. You need to invest in study, invest in prayer, and you need to ask God, God, I don't have a clue what I'm reading. Would you help me understand your Spirit? And I believe God will give us guidance. Spend some time in prayer and study. I love this book by Terry Rush. I've had it, I don't know, this came out in the 80s. The Holy Spirit makes no earthly sense. 
That's kind of how I feel preaching this subject to you. I, 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 all I can do is throw scriptures and say, hey, what, what do y'all think this means? And that's what I'm trying to do. Um, is, is just we're trying to figure out what this gift is. And that's what we're doing on a week-to-week basis. I said last week, God did not give us the Holy Spirit. He didn't gift us for no reason. I want to learn the reason. God didn't give us the Holy Spirit for little reason. God didn't give us the Spirit for a useless reason. God gives us His Spirit for power. We looked at some of those verses last week, but before we get to the power, I need to spend another lesson or two. I just want us to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Let's pray.